0: Hi, my friends, welcome back to the Meerket Musings podcast. I'm your host, Ben, aka Daft Moan, uh, with a bit of an entertaining one this time around. An entertaining podcast that recaps some some curious conversations I've had over the last few days. I say conversations because they weren't really conversations, um, they were more like, I guess, Well, it was me finding stuff on Twitter that was entertaining, perhaps for all the wrong reasons, uh, and for some very strange reasons. And it, it kind of deals with, or overlaps with, absurdities, but also topics that are quite serious in a way. I mean, it, it deals with some some ignorance, to put it mildly, and it deals with some attempts or ideas around enforcing stereotypes. Bit of a ramble, that bit of a long-winded, I know. But in short, very simply, there are people out there, grown adults, grown men, who for some reason believe that women should not be allowed to ride horses or ride bikes. Uh, They believe, in fact, I mean, to to quote from one of their tweets here, and this is on my my website, this guy believes that any kind of uh, sexual stimulation or arousal that does not come from their husband, makes a woman filthy. Not my words, I don't believe in that rubbish. These are the words of someone called alpha masculinity on Twitter. And of course, the the clue is in their their name really, isn't it? It's why they believe that women should not be allowed to uh, ride horses or bikes or motorbikes. Because they believe that women somehow become aroused doing these things uh, and therefore they should not be allowed to do so. Needless to say, a great many women schooled this guy on Twitter, but I don't think that he would listen one bit. No doubt he is very entrenched in his views, in his beliefs, and who knows why, but clearly... He has some very strange ideas around arousal and and stimulation, to put it mildly. But I mean, I've had a few comments on my post, actually, from people who have laughed, I believe, quite hard at the absurdities of this position. I mean, I think it's probably fair to say that for the vast majority of women, riding a horse is actually uncomfortable. Uh, riding a bike can be uncomfortable, as it can be for men as well. Uh, and it's not actually this this sexual thing that this bloke seems to believe it is. He was no doubt looking for confirmation bias. I mean, on his Twitter thread, he shares a number of pictures of women in, shall we say, revealing outfits that look rather flustered as they ride a horse. Ignoring the fact these pictures were obviously staged... Uh, all I can assume is he's that he's Googled sexy women riding horses and he's gotten exactly the results he was looking for. He hasn't actually done any kind of, of actual research into this or spoken to women about this. But why would he speak to women? He believes himself to be beyond them. So this guy, all I can say is he has massively embarrassed himself all across Twitter. But because he's probably also full of ego, he's not going to bring himself to admit that he was wrong. But what do you expect from someone that calls themselves on Twitter alpha masculinity? I'm sorry, but these concepts of alphas and betas and omegas and God knows what else, it's all absolutely pointless. I could use stronger language, but it's all a load of absolute rubbish. It's something that some men do because they feel insecure and make themselves feel more secure. They need to basically sort of beat down upon other men by labelling themselves as real men and as alphas and all that kind of stuff. And they usually define themselves, well, on the basis of this, basis of this one particular guy, at least anyway, although it's not the first self-styled alpha I've encountered, they usually define themselves as you know, being kind of stern and rugged and you know, they 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 know how to treat women right and blah 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 blah. Even if it means not giving women any freedom, uh choosing everything for women, including, you know, meals at restaurants, and generally speaking, demeaning women as sex objects left, right and centre. That seems to be one of the go to trends of the self styled alpha male to look down upon women. And unfortunately it's something that they're very good at. But of course they telegraph themselves a mile away with their attitudes and they usually end up being laughed at and you can only imagine what that does to their egos. My God, you know, they're proclaiming to the world that they are the manliest of manly men. And in the process, suddenly they're getting laughed at a lot and usually completely schooled by women who alpha men regard as being the weaker sex. And alpha men often don't hide the fact they think women are the weaker sex. They're the kind of guys that think that women should stay at home and be mothers and not have lives outside of that role. often these guys are firm believers in rigid, stereotypical gender roles. As a matter of fact, this one particular alpha guy... He even speaks about this on his Twitter profile, uh, about how it's also, you know, it's ordained by God and it's something that, that God wishes to happen. So he's very much into that idea, very, very thoroughly. Which has led him down this hilarious and mistaken path regarding sexual purity and how apparently it can be ruined If a woman rides a horse, there you have it. You have this this really strange, really, really, really baffling set of circumstances there. And I don't really know if I can thoroughly compute where this guy is coming from. What else is going on? Well, in other news, in... Other unsurprising news, we have learned once again that the Tories believe there is one rule for them and another rule for everybody else. Or, to perhaps be more accurate, they believe in rules for other people but not for themselves. That's probably the best way of putting it. Pictures have emerged of Boris Johnson at one of these illegal lockdown parties. These illegal gatherings, and interestingly enough, we've also learned that other people at this gathering were fined for being there, but for some reason, Boris Johnson wasn't. So, although he was there in direct breach of his own rules, he wasn't fined, although other people were. How does that work? It seems like the Metropolitan Police. ...have taken the view of behaving very gently with this government. Whereas other people during lockdown were receiving pretty big fines. Let's be clear here. For some reason the police have only been issuing 50 quid penalty notices. Whereas other people, as I say, were receiving much bigger fines. And now it emerges that even when they have pretty clear and obvious proof... ...that the Prime Minister has been at more than one gathering... He's only getting one fine. In fact, people are getting fined, as I say, for being at events he's at, but he's not getting fined. Could someone kindly explain to me the logic of that? Because I'm not seeing it. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And it does indeed seem like the police have got this attitude of, will treat the government, or at least certain people in the government, with kids' gloves Be very gentle with them, even though they're breaking the law, breaking the rules. But woe betide the ordinary Joe that does it, because they're going to get hammered by the full force of the law. Very strange, very peculiar attitude there. We've also learned that Boris Johnson had a private meeting with Ms Sue Gray, the civil servant in charge of the investigation Uh, the, the government investigation, if you like, into the Partygate scandal. It's interesting that he had this meeting and it's said to be a means of, well, Boris Johnson is claiming it's a means of clarifying a few things, but it's been suggested as well that it's actually him trying to to nix the report, or even going as far as to actually ask Miss Gray not to publish it, which is interesting, isn't it? All of a sudden, having been all for this inquiry and open to it being put out there, he's now suddenly not wanting that. I, I continue to be boggled by how people can look at someone like Boris Johnson, with his history, uh, with his, with his arrogance, that horrible ugly smirk he has, and think there's a guy who's Prime Minister material. He's not. He is a charlatan. He is a nasty piece of work who disguises himself in this, this bumbling persona. But make no mistake, it's an act that hides someone who is absolutely despicable. Someone who's played everyone else for fools. Someone who believes the rules generally do not apply to him. Someone who has done everything he can to throw other people under the bus for his mistakes. And someone who will try to weasel out of every situation that he has made. And it's just, it, as I say, it baffles me. Why are we voting for this lunatic? For this, for this tyrant, in effect. There are so many other better candidates out there. Uh, there are even, there are even, believe it or not, there are probably better Tory MPs out there. I mean, I'm not love with the Tory party by a long way. A lot of them are complicit in what Boris Johnson does. A lot of them are letting him get away with it. But I do believe there are probably one or two genuinely good Tories out there who'd be better prime ministers. And I believe there are a host of people from other political parties who'd be better prime ministers. That's not to say that the other parties out there are great options. Uh, I think, you know, Labour could be doing a lot more to present themselves as a genuine alternative to the Tories. They, they don't, in my view, seem to want to do enough to differentiate themselves from Tory policies. If I was at Labour right now, I'd be clamouring for a nationalisation of things like the railways because we've seen our fares in this country rise and rise and rise under private ownership. I'd be thinking to myself, how, how about nationalizing the energy sector? When you look at the situation in France, for example, right now, you will see that they have had a small increase in prices, but they've also managed to keep it down for the most part. Whereas here, with companies like Shell and BP recording billions of pounds of profit in the first three months of the year alone, we are seeing huge increases in our bills. How can it be that these companies are recording, in the case of Shell, record first quarter profits, and then our bills go up? Surely those profits should be being passed on to us. But here's a news flash for the people that think trickle-down economics works. It doesn't, it never has. This notion that somehow, as companies make more money, we're going to filter it back through to other people. Never been been the case, never. The companies answer to their shareholders and they often have ties with, they often have ties with with people in government and they often collude with one another. And this, I say, these profits, they don't filter down to ordinary people like you and me. They never have, they never will. These companies are filled with self-serving parasites who have links to the self-serving parasites in our government. that's how it works, that's how it's always worked. And unless these services are nationalized, nothing will change. And we'll continue to see companies and businesses report, report record profits, and none of us will benefit from that. Instead, as we are seeing, we will see our prices go up. Train fares are going up. Energy bills are going up. The average cost of food and drink is going up. And it's going up faster in this country than in most other countries, which just goes to show that there is a tremendous problem with profiteering going on. We've seen a number of new billionaires emerge in this country over the course of the last couple of years, despite the pandemic. Because people have been profiteering and the government's done nothing about it. Indeed, some of them are in government. Our Chancellor, Rishi Sunak, is a multi-millionaire who talks about how he can't find the means to help people out with the cost of living. He blamed it on a computer glitch. It's not anything to do with that. It's because he and his Tory chums don't have any interest in helping out you or me. They don't care, they never have, and barring a dramatic sea change, they never will. But Labour are not doing enough to ram home that message. They need to be making these suggestions, they need to be thinking more about public ownership of these these vital sectors to our lives, like energy, like transport. Because these are things that we rely on in the public sphere, all the time. If they operate on a for-profit basis it means they're not actually working for the benefit of people and surprise surprise right now these things are not working for the benefit for people. So yeah we need some big big changes in this country and Labour are not offering those changes. Which creates a problem, of course, because it means that people aren't inclined to vote for Labour. Not necessarily going to vote for Tories either. What it means is we have voter apathy and that keeps the Tories in power for longer. There's not enough out there within other parties right now to realistically shift the Tories out of power. The only party out there that conceivably can beat the Tories at the next general election is Labour but they need to be very clearly defined as offering alternative solutions to what Tories are doing, and those solutions need to be built around what's in the public interest. we had opportunities before, of course. We had the opportunity to perhaps see a, a somewhat different version of Labour under Jeremy Corbyn, but the media whipped themselves into an hysteria over him and uh, unfortunately he wasn't able to make the impact he wanted and we ended up with Boris Johnson instead and look how that's turned out for the country well done British media you've reaped what you've sown in some cases some people seem to love it and this is because they are probably making money out of it or gaining influence out of it and the rest of the country be damned some of the people who work for GB News for example they'll put stuff up on Twitter which demonstrates very clearly they have had a break with reality and the same thing also applies to some of the people who tweet from the Daily Mail as well these people claim to be impartial journalists but they're not they're really not and it's funny how much of a huge fuss they're making about uh, Keir Starmer's alleged Beergate situation while quietly ignoring the actual proven guilt of the Prime Minister. It's not in their interests to do that. The Daily Mail's owner is, is a um, multimillionaire who is no doubt benefiting from his ties to the Tories. So he's not gonna be pushing back against the Tories, is he? Of course not. The Daily Mail is effectively the government's propaganda wing. We might as well be in North Korea for the way that the Tories want to try and run the press and it's just a shocking sad state of affairs. I've actually written to my local MP who is a Tory, I mean I didn't vote for him but I can't oust him now of course, but I've written to him to voice my concerns over the cost of living, over the notion of a windfall tax. But it's not just about windfall taxes. It's also about wealth taxes, ongoing wealth taxes, which could still allow people to be very, very rich. It's not about taking all of their wealth. They can still be very, very rich, live very, very comfortable lives. But guess what? Here's a newsflash for you. With wealth taxes and windfall taxes and things like that, Other people can have more comfortable lives too. It's not even necessarily about comfortable lives. It's about being able to survive without being on the breadline every single month. And the means exist to do that. But the Tories do not have the will to do that. Half of them are too busy making money out of all these problems. And Labour don't seem to have the spine to really press for these things and make a loud enough case. We should be seeing more of this kind of thing in mainstream media. More talk about how the wealth tax can raise far more money than raising national insurance, for example. We should be seeing a clamor for things like the nationalization of energy, because it would save huge sums of money going forward for the average person. But we're not seeing enough of that. And that's a problem. And that's where the big problem is, the the media controls a lot of the narrative. And the Tories control the media. I mean, that's, as I say, a real problem. I don't know, people. I don't know. Politics makes me angry. And anger doesn't really do very much for anyone, does it? So what can we move on to? What can we move on to? The weather? Well, the weather has been pretty damp and dreary these last couple of days. Although, in fairness, May has seen a lot of quite pleasant weather we've had quite a few days of clear blue sunny skies and some decent temperatures. Actually, every day crept up to about 25 degrees. The evening's are a little bit on the cooler side, but 25 degrees in the middle of the day, that's quite nice. That's quite decent. It's unusual, but it's good. And hopefully the last few days of rain notwithstanding, hopefully we'll continue to see an upward trend in the weather because last summer was diabolical. It was very, very poor from my point of view. So having a good, long, hot summer this year would be wonderful. And it's something to hope for. Whether it pans out that way, I don't know. But as I say, it's something to hope for. And we shall see if it pans out. Is there anything else going on? Anything else of note? for this latest round of the Meerkat Musings podcast. One other little thing, nothing major, nothing serious by any means, but I recently watched the the new Chippendale Rescue Rangers movie on Disney+. And you're probably thinking, seriously? What can I say? I'm a big kid at heart. Uh, I like things like that and I don't care who judges me for it. I've got to say, this was the spiritual successor, I dare say, to who framed Roger Rabbit. If you remember that film, it blended live action with animation. And what we've had out of this new Chip and Dale film is a film which blends live action with multiple forms of animation and does so seamlessly as well as sending up a number of animation tropes as well. As an example, we have Chip who is in this film as a as a hand-drawn animated character and we have Dale who has the CGI upgrade and the two of them you know, scamper around together and, and have conversations and arguments and adventures and it's seamless. It's blended perfectly. We have a number of guest appearances from a number of different franchises. And there's a lot of entertainment. And there's obviously a lot of love and respect for the material there. Interestingly, this film was co-produced with The Lonely Island. Uh, if you are familiar with them, then you'll know they're the people behind the very popular Brooklyn Nine-Nine uh, police comedy show. And Adam Zamberg has been involved in a number of, shall we say, I don't know what the right word is, funny but risque music projects. And they, they tend to do things in a somewhat satirical, kind of sharp, witty sort of way. And a lot of that shines through in this, in this film as well. It never strays beyond PG territory. But nonetheless, it's quite entertaining and and humorous. And some of it is maybe stuff that might go over the heads of kids a little bit. There's some subtlety there, which, which not every kid is going to get, not every adult is going to get, to be fair. But it makes the whole thing very, very entertaining, very, very funny. And there is already talk of a possible sequel, which I'd be down for, absolutely. I think it was great. I look forward to seeing where they go with it. I'm kind of wondering if they'd be bold enough to try and do like a Rescue Rangers series through this somehow, like a a revival which kind of keeps the behind-the-scenes sort of elements to it. Of course, it's unlikely to go that far. Uh, I don't know how you pull off a series where you've got multiple... are you... I say you couldn't do it, but The Amazing World of Gumball does it. Albeit... It's not maybe quite as intense as it would be with Disney. But it could be done, uh, I guess. Or maybe it'll go, round, go down the route of movies instead. Anyway, that's all for now. There will be a published Meerkat Muse coming up soon, which will probably outline some of this stuff in more detail. dot www.meerkatmusings.co.uk Please check it out if you get a chance. Uh, In the meantime, stay safe, be well, and we will chat again real soon.